Amen. The topic we're going to be starting this morning is what I call, how did you receive Christ? How did you receive Christ? How did you receive Christ? Verse 6 of that passage says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Christ Jesus means the anointed Savior. The anointed Savior. Peter acknowledged him as Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. In uh, Matthew chapter 16, from verse 15 to verse 19, Matthew 16, verse 15 to 19, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, asked, I mean, said unto the disciples, Whom say ye that I am? From said and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, in agreement with him, said, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And then in verse 18, Jesus said, And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. So, in this particular passage, Jesus Christ said, Whom do you say? Initially, he asked, Whom do men say that I am? And different answers were coming up John the Baptist, Elijah, and all. But he now zeroed down on the disciples, Whom say ye that I am? And of course, Peter, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, said, Thou art the Christ. The Son of the Living God. He made it clear in that uh, in that statement that the Christ is also what the Son of the Living God. Jesus was, and still is, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Very important. Now, predicated on this revelation is the assurance that the gate of hell cannot prevail against the church. When Jesus was was speaking for that, he said, "That, that Peter, upon this rock I will build my church." And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is very important. You and I are members of this church. You and I are the building blocks of this church. And so if the Lord is saying, the gate of hell shall not prevail against the church. The Lord is saying that the gate of hell shall not prevail against you. The Lord is saying, the gate of hell shall not prevail against me. The Lord is saying, hell will try. But hell will fail. And I speak to somebody's life here today. I declare that hell has failed in Jesus' name. I say hell has failed in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. The Bible says, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? And of course, the answer was obvious. God forbid. God forbid. In verse 20 of that same passage, he says, you are bought with a price. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We are bought with a price. The price is the blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary. 
It is an exchange of life for life. Christ gave his life that you and I might get to the point of being adopted, being grafted, being redeemed through that life that was given. And so, when you go to verse 18 of that same 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, Paul went on to say, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication, does what? Sinneth against his own body. His own body. Physically and spiritually. In other words, when you are a member of a body of Christ, and you are living in adultery or fornication, you are sinning against that body spiritually. And that's why I said physically and what? Spiritually. Physically. When you indulge in adultery and fornication, you are losing your virtues. Last Sunday, we were talking about, when we were talking about affliction, we talked of emptiers and we talked of wasters that were sent against Joseph, but they never prevailed against him. But when a man or a woman indulges in adultery or fornication, that individual has opened the door to these emptiers and wasters. And so upon that individual as a person, there is a waste. There is a destruction. The person is sinning against his or her own body. But taking the step for the brethren, as a church of Christ, as a body of Christ, when anyone indulges in adultery and fornication, the person is what? Is sinning against the body. And that's why when we see these things, we don't keep quiet. That is why if you are a member of that congregation, you cannot sit and say, oh, this one is not my own problem. It's pastors, pastors to, to, to resolve. And you know that this needs to be brought to the attention. I mean, it's even possible that that individual we are talking about is a leading figure in the church. It's a leading figure in the church. Thereby hindering, limiting, being a clock in the wheel of the progress of others in the congregation. Very important. We are a body. The body of Christ will constitute part of the building block. And I pray that we will not be the ones to drag, pull down this body in Jesus' name. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, the Bible says, Know ye know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, is going into the realm of talking about uh, the lesbians and the homosexuals. The government may allow it, but the Bible is saying what? They cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They may be, become president or prime minister. They, may, they might even rule the United Nations if there's, if there's anything like that. But that is not what opens the gate to the kingdom of God. Jesus said it. <laughs> Upon this rock will I build my church. What is the rock? The declaration that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now let's go to first Corinthians, I mean verse 10 of that passage, I believe. Yes. He said, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Revilers. Party spirit. People that are excited in going from one party to the other. You see some pictures on Facebook, you shake your head. You see what 
people who are supposed to be called the children of God are indulging in. Number one, the dressing is obscene. It's not proper for the child of God. Number two, the gathering is an inappropriate one. What would you be saying if the rapture were to take place at such a point in time? It doesn't matter where the rapture takes place. We are just not ready. I pray that God will not find us wanting. I pray God will not find us wanting. He said, revilers, extortioners. Extortioners. You wring their hand, you find ways to collect what they don't want to give to you. In this, I mean, this season that uh, things are, are a little bit hard, some things are hard to come by, you, a child of God, you become the ultimate capitalist. You buy something for $5, you sell it for $15. And you, you think that's how you are going to make your riches? Is it in your, have, you, have you seen it in your Bible that money has wings? The money you get by unrighteous means will not stay. It's not a prayer. It's a statement of fact. Extortioners. Not only will you lose your own heart when your money flies away, the money you get by wrong means, the Bible says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So this revelation of the, 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 who Christ is also opens the kingdom of heaven and not its available benefits or treasures. When the angel came to Joseph in a dream, when Christ was to be born, and he spoke to him, in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew 1, 21, Matthew 1, 21, Matthew 1, 21, he said, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So his name is Jesus because he will do what? He will save. He will save. So when we, when, when we go back to that name, he said, as you have received Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior, Christ Jesus, then it says the Lord. The Lord, the Lord here means the master, the owner, the one to whom all obedience is due. So if we understand whom we have received, that will guide how we relate to him. That will guide how we act. No wonder Jesus Christ said, I mean, you are my disciples. Or rather, he said, by, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you do what? If you have love one for another. And then he went on further and said, you need to obey whatsoever I say unto you. This is very important. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, Christ Jesus the Master, Christ Jesus the Owner, the one to whom all obedience is due. And as we continue this study, we'll come back to that, the, the, some emphasis on the Lord. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So, how, do you how did you receive Jesus? That's a question. That's our topic. And we have an analysis here on how to properly receive Christ Jesus. That's why we read verse 7. It said, rooted and build up, built up in him. So, your reception of Jesus must start with the fact that you need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Many of us claim to be born again these days. But those who are truly born again look at us and shake their heads. The elders of old, you know, Jesus Christ made a statement. He said, when the Son of Man shall come, Shall he meet faith in the world? 
Can you compare the way things were among the disciples of his time and the way things are today? Won't you ask yourself, is this still Christianity? Is this still Christianity? We think Christianity is just to say, okay, I, I raise up my hands, I give my life to Christ, now I'm born again. That is it. Brethren, there's no vacuum in the things of God. You are either growing or you are regressing. You cannot start, stand on one spot. You cannot stand on one spot. It's very important. So the first thing you need to consider this afternoon or this morning is, are you rooted in Jesus Christ? The root of a tree is what the tree uses to derive nutrients, water, for growth and maturity. Whatever comes from the sun is synthesized through what we call photosynthesis in the leaves. But without the nutrients that the root will bring in, it's not possible. It's not possible. Since the growth we are referring to here is, I mean, the growth that follows after being rooted in Christ is called being built up, being built in Jesus. It means that being rooted implies having the right foundation. Having the right foundation. So as a Christian then, your source and your foundation must be in Christ Jesus. Your source and your foundation must be in what? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. The Bible makes us to understand that when the root goes downwards, then the tree can go up and be fruitful. In Isaiah chapter 37 verse 31, Isaiah 37 verse 31. Isaiah 37 verse 31. The Bible says, The remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downwards. Rooted in Christ Jesus. And then they will bear fruit upwards. If there is no taking root downwards, there is no bearing fruit upwards. One must come before the other. You must be deeply rooted in Christ. No wonder many of us are simply unfruitful. Unfruitful in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. Unfruitful in terms of uh, uh, leading others to Christ. We say we are Christians. We cannot even tell somebody Jesus loves you. We say we are Christians. Our best attribute is that of compromise. We say we are Christians. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things that the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, they are lacking in our lives. Why? Because we have not taken roots downward. We are not rooted in Jesus. When you are not rooted in Jesus, you cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. When you are not rooted in Jesus, you can't win souls for him. You'll be full of ex excuses. Beautiful excuses. And we've have, we, we have another one added for us today. The excuse of coronavirus. Oh, you know, in this, in this uh, season of corona, you can't even give somebody a, 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 a track. They won't take it. Before corona, you never give. So corona is not an excuse for you not reaching out. And brethren, they will take it. 
they will take it. I've, I have had opportunities to give bookmarks to people during this lockdown. And they took it. And some will even take it with what? With appreciation. You must be rooted downwards that you may bear fruit. John chapter 15, we know that passage very well. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. John 15, verse 1 to 5. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that beareth no fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that bearing fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. And now he says, You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you do what? Nothing. Nothing. So the reason you are unproductive is that you are not rooted in Christ. Your Christianity is simply based on words. Or your Christianity is simply based on, oh, there's a church in, in Bari. And, I, and they say there are Nigerians there. I will join them. I will join them. At least that, that's our local community. Is that the basis of your Christianity? It's not rooted in Christ. It's an unfruitful Christianity. Jesus Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. And brain, there are many things we are doing that before the living God amounts to what? Nothing. Nothing. There are many things we are busy in that before God, this amounts to nothing. That's why he said, seek ye for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing shall be added unto you. Every other thing including all the nothings that we have decided to make first. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Verse 11. He said, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is your root in Jesus it's your foundation is, I mean, in Jesus. And it's very important. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 to 20. Ephesians 2, 19 to 20. It says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I always want to ask us that question. Are you a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with Paul? Are you a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with Peter? Are you a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with these our contemporary men of God? Are you a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with, for example, Pastor E.A. Adeboye? Are you a fellow citizen in the kingdom of God with a man like Pastor Idahosa? Is it the same kingdom of God that they are going to or that they have gone to? Is that where you are going? The Bible says in verse 20, you are built upon the foundation of your apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In the parable of the sower, 
told by Jesus, we see different obstacles that prevent us from being rooted in Christ. Different obstacles to being rooted in Christ. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9, we know the story very well. The sower went out to sow. When he sowed, Matthew 13 from verse 3 to 9, when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony grounds. They had no heart. They sprung up. They had no deepness of heart. Verse 6. When the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns. And the Bible says the thorns choked them. And verse 8. Others fell on the good ground. They brought forth food, some 100 fold, some 60 fold, some 30 fold. When you go to verses 18 to 23, Jesus Christ broke this parable down further. And in breaking it down, he makes us to understand some things that prevent men and women, brethren, from being rooted in Jesus. And we're going to just highlight some of those things and then we'll round up. You remember the topic we are looking at this morning? How have you received Jesus Christ? When Jesus broke it down from verses uh, 18 to 23, he made it plain that the seed is the word of God. The seed is what? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, we'll come back to that time, Matthew 18. In Hebrews chapter 4, Verses 2 to 3. Hebrews 4, 2 to 3. The Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. In other words, the gospel has been preached unto many. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. If you are listening to me this morning, you have not given your life to Christ, the word is not profiting you. And brethren, there is profit in the word. There is profit in the word. If the word is going to profit you, the word must mix with faith in you. You have a choice to make. You've got to make up your mind and say, from this day onwards, I cease to live a selfish life. I cease to live for myself and myself alone. I want Jesus to be rooted in my life, to take control, to be the anointed savior and the master of my life. That's the meaning of Christ Jesus the Lord. The anointed Savior. The Master. The Owner. The seed is the Word of God. It was made with faith in you. Now look at verse 3 of that passage. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished, from the foundation of the world. He desires that you enter into his rest. But in order for you to enter into his rest, the world must meet with faith in you. So what are the things that prevent the world from taking root or prevent you from being rooted in Christ? Number one, a lack of understanding of the world. And this makes it easy for the enemy to snatch the word away from you. Brethren, if you don't study 
even as a born again, as a newly born again child of God, you need to study the word. The, the, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. That word? That I may not sin against thee. That I may not sin against thee. He said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. The word will guide you. Without the word, you are walking in darkness. And it's easy to fall away. A lack of understanding of the word will make it easy for the enemy to snatch or cut away the word. And that's why as a church, we have many avenues for us to learn the word. On Sunday mornings, we have the Sunday school. On Thursdays, we have the Bible study. We come together to share the word. Many of us don't come from Bible study. And now because of this, the, 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 uh, the season we are in, our Bible studies have been shown online. And yet, even at that, you, we, that means we have opportunities to follow the Bible study almost anywhere we are. We still are not availing ourselves of that opportunity. No wonder we are not rooted in him. You cannot be rooted outside the world. Understanding opens the, world, the, 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 the door to the world. Job chapter 34, verse, 10, verse 16. Job 34, 16. Understanding opens the door to the world. I said, if now thou hast understanding, hear this, hearken to the voice of my words. To refuse to, be, to listen to the voice of God as declared in the scriptures is to live a life devoid of understanding. Is to live a life devoid of understanding. When you go to Psalm 119, I'm not going to, I'm quite, going through Psalm 119, a number of verses there, it makes us to understand that understanding is the key to the knowledge of the word of God. In fact, it's the key to life. I'm going to read just one of those verses. Psalm 119, verse 144. Psalm 119, verse 144. It says, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding. And I shall do what? I shall live. Understanding gives life. Understanding gives life. So, the first reason why we are, we are not rooted in Christ is due to a lack of understanding. That's number one. As highlighted in that passage, we read Matthew chapter uh, 13 from verse 18 downwards. The second reason from that passage is tribulation or persecution that arises because of the word. Tribulation or persecution that arises because of the word. Tribulation, brethren, is to be expected for every child of God. That's what the Bible says. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, This is I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Every child of God is not a prophecy, it's not a prayer. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Tribulations will come, but you will overcome. That's what the Bible is saying. 
That's why the book of Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the fire, I will be with you, the fire will not consume you, the water will not overcome you, but it's a matter of when. Tribulation makes some people to chicken out. Tribulation makes some people to become vegetables. But tribulation is supposed to strengthen you. Build you up. Because the Bible says that tribulation worketh patience. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to verse 4. Romans 5, 3 to 4. Romans 5, 3 to 4. He said, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And that tells you what is expected of us, brethren. Patience in tribulation. That's what Romans chapter 12 verse 12 says. Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12. Patient in tribulation. Rejoicing in hope. Continuing instant in prayer. You know, that's why the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Your prayer life, hope, and your patience, oh. You are becoming more and more rooted. And the more rooted you are, the more fruitful you will become. You will be fruitful in Jesus' name. I said you will be fruitful in Jesus' name. This is very important. The Father whom we serve is ready to encourage and comfort us all the time. I don't know what you are going through, but the Lord knows. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3 to 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. We'll be running up soon. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. The Bible says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Verse 4. Who comforted us in all our what? Tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort we are with ourselves are comforted of God. So God comforts you in your tribulation. But beyond that, he wants you to go beyond yourself. He wants you to be a source of comfort to others. You want others to come in contact with you and say, Oh, thank God for that brother. Thank God for that sister. When things were very dark for me, in my darkest hour, he stood up for me. God used him for me. God used that for me. That is the purpose of God. It's not that when you are trying to comfort somebody, the person says, it's not your fault. You don't understand what I'm going through. And so you are not able to reach out to that individual. But if you have gone through that process or that system, and say, look, I've had a similar encounter, but look at me today. I'm a testimony. I've been through it. I have failed before, but I'm not a failure today. I have had debts to very close family members before, but I'm alive today. And I can share the life of the living God. I have suffered what they call irreparable losses before. But here I stand, still declaring that Jesus is Lord. When you are able to relate to what others are going through, because of your tribulation, you become a source of encouragement. You become a source of encouragement. You are the-